Everyone, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 266, and thank you so much for the subscriptions, the ratings, the reviews, and this is moving right along. We have over a thousand ratings. That's wonderful. Um, today we are focusing on the U.S. Open, but not the U.S. Open tennis, the U.S. Open golf in September 2020. Very strange. The U.S. Open was supposed to be in June, and we were supposed to go. And I had a credential, and uh, we were going. We were talking about a podcast very similar to episode 209 when we had uh, Tiger Woods and Brooks Kepka and Xander Schauffele at the Northern Trust, and that worked out so well. We were going to do something similar for the U.S. Open, and we talked to them, and and I, you know, I talked to Jeff. Jeff's actually going to be on with us in a little while. Jeff Alstadler, who's the director of communications for the USGA, and he does a great job. And the only difference was they wanted it to be virtual. They limited the amount of people that could be on site to 40 media members. And frankly, I'm not a golf reporter. and I don't do a lot of golf coverage. Um, we like it and I support it and we do podcasts on it. But that's not what this was. So they made all of this stuff uh, accessible for me. And, you know, obviously they're not the normal one-on-one. But I'll be honest with you. um, I thought last week went so well with uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo and Charles Davis and Ian Eagle that I said we can do this with the golfers. And we'll get the heavy hitters. We're not playing around here. This is no joke. So we'll start it off with Dustin Johnson. He's the hottest player in the world. He's already picked up the U.S. Open trophy once. He won it. Uh, he's clearly the favorite at winged foot. We'll have more on winged foot. And he's uh, trying to claim the year's second major title. So that is something to be said. This is a virtual interview with Dustin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously I've just put in a lot of good work. Um, you know, I feel like the... You know, it's nice to see the the work that you're putting in. You know, to be able to take it on the golf course and in the golf tournament. So it's, yeah, it's. I don't know. I spent a lot of time with Claude and and my brother working on the putting, and so um, yeah, everything just seems to be clicking right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've definitely had to put in a lot of work to to get to where I'm at, and I mean, obviously, yeah, the the game's good and it, it feels good and. So I'm very pleased with it. And if I could follow up, you mentioned the putting. A lot of people have talked about the routine being much different from the past. How important has that change been to your success? Yeah, I mean, yeah, with putting, it's, you know, if you look at every week, the, you know, the guy who's winning or, you know, if you're going to have a good week, you got to putt well. And so it's just something that, you know, I've been working on. I started using a line, and it's definitely helped me out a lot, just especially like inside 10 feet. You know, starting to make a lot more of those. And but yeah, I mean, I've had to practice with it because it's something new, and had to get used to, you know, using a line and and to line up. We're gonna go here to the WebEx. You know, the U.S. Open used to be known for being won by short, accurate players. In the last few years, it's been you, Gary Brooks, kind of longer, athletic guys. What's your theory as to why, and do you think that will continue? Mm. 
can't tell you why, but I mean, it's, you know, obviously the golf courses, you know, make a, make a bit a difference, but, you know, U.S. Open, it's, you've got to drive it straight, especially at this golf course. I mean, you have to hit the fairways, um, you know, and then once you hit the fairways, it's not, it doesn't get much easier from there either, but, you know, it, you really have to hit the fairways. The rough is, I mean, it's not super deep, but it, you just can't play out of it can't control the golf ball and you can't you can't get to the greens from it so um you know it's definitely a premium on hidden fairways but you know the golf course is in fantastic condition it's uh you know i'm looking forward to this week it's going to be a good challenge but i like it uh, we're going to go right here dustin in terms of difficulty where does this golf course rank among some you've played and how aggressive can you be with it um yeah i mean it's I haven't played in a tournament yet, but so far it seems seems very, very hard. And, you know, one of the harder ones I've ever played. So, but, you know, it's it's fair. You know, there's nothing real tricky about it. You just got to gotta hit good shots. Will you back, will you hit driver as often as you'd like or will you back off? Some? I mean, there's, there's holes that I can hit driver and, and play aggressive on, but, you know, there's a lot of holes where I'm hitting iron off the tee, you know, just because the way it shapes. Um, you know, I don't like to to draw the driver, so I got a lot of holes where I've got to, you know, lay back a little bit just because you got to hit it in the fairway, and and driver kind of runs out of room. Especially the fairways are firm and fast right now, so the ball's running out pretty good. And there's a there's a lot of holes that are difficult shots to get it in the fairway. We're gonna go back to the Webex. How would you compare the difficulty of this in Oakmont? It's very similar, I think. Um, you know, golf course wise. The only difference is off the tees at Oakmont, there's no trees in your way. All the way on the left. I, I read that you had never been here until recently. Is that is that true? Well, I thought so, but I guess somebody was telling me I played a NetJets outing here 10 or 11 years ago. But I want to say I don't think we played the, the west course. I think we played the other one because I didn't remember one hole, so we must have played the other course. So, when were there any surprises or anything eye-opening to you when you did get to play it? No, just from talking to some of the guys that, that have been here, you know, I knew it was going to be difficult. I actually watched one of the videos I think the USGA put out, um, so I got a little bit of an idea on on the golf course. It's kind of a drone flyover video, so I had a little bit of you know of an idea of what it looked like and what it was going to require, but. Um, you know, coming here, obviously, you know, watch. I watched some of the 2006 U.S. Open. You, you know, it's it's a tough golf course, and you know, you you got to go out and play golf your ball around here if you want to shoot a good score. But the greens now are are bigger than they were in 06. By, uh, I mean, these are the greens are pretty unusual, don't you think? Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about unusual. They're they're difficult, but. It's, uh, I think it fits the golf course very well. And, you know, all, a lot of the greens are, are real similar, you know, with all the slopes. And, you know, there's, there's you know, a, a, only a certain area on the greens that are usable. But, um, yeah, I think it's good. It's going to be a good test. You got to, you know, like I said, drive it in the fairway. Then you got to hit good iron shots because you got to hit them the right distance. Um, back here to the chat. Um, what is the worst lie you've had this week? And can you just explain what it was like? Um, yeah, I mean, you can get some pretty good ones in the rough, but I've been able to advance them down the fairway, not necessarily get it on the green or to the green, but haven't had any that 
I couldn't get out. We're going to go right here. Uh, Dustin, you've, you shot 30 under in Boston, but you've also proved you can win on these layouts where, you know, par is a good score. Is there an adjustment you make in your mindset, you know, for a course like this? And, and then second part, Rom said that the long hitters are still going to have the advantage here because they'll be so much farther. If, if they're in the rough, they'll be so much farther down, they still might be able to get it on. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously there's you're, you've got a completely different mindset when you're playing a, a course like TBC Boston where, you know, it was soft and, you know, the greens are really good. So you could attack every flag with, you know, it didn't matter what club you're hitting. Um, you know, here it it's just completely different mindset. Obviously, we played, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play two really difficult golf courses the last couple of weeks, which was Olympia Fields and East Lake. You know, they're both golf courses where you have to drive it in the fairway. And then, you know, even when you're in the fairway, it's, it's not that easy to get it close to the hole. So, you know, coming in here, obviously the game, we've been playing courses like that. So, so kind of used to it, but um, yeah, you just gotta, for me, it's just pick whatever club I think I can get it in the fairway with and go with that and, you know, then go find it and hit it again. Right here. Dustin, with the kind of season you've had, do you put more expectation on yourself going into this U.S. Open? What's your no, mindset like? I mean, I'm playing well. I've got a lot of confidence in the game, but no, I'm not putting any extra ex expectation. I mean, I expect to play well every week, but coming here, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a golf course where, you know, hopefully the, the game's in good form right now. Hopefully it stays in good form for, for the rest of the week. But, you know, it, it's one of those golf courses where it's very difficult and, and, you know, you need to be spot on if you want to play well. Is there any, What stands out most from watching that 2006 U.S. Open on TV? I mean, you can just, you know, from what I remember, obviously it was a long time ago, but, I mean, if you're driving in the rough, you're going to struggle to make pars, and that's just how it is. It's, you know, but, but there's enough room to hit the fairways. Right here. Is tour life now um, busy to the point where, like in the past, guys would play here or Quaker, where, you know, now guys are kind of seeing it on video? Is, is it just... When you're done, you want to put the clubs down and get away. Is it changed a little bit because there are so many more demands on, on your generation? Well, uh, I didn't quite understand. So in the past, we had a PGA Tour event here in Westchester. Some of the guys would come over and play here, play Quaker Ridge, play Sleepy Hollow, some of the historic courses. But the, it was different then. So is, is life busy now with what, everything that you guys are asked to do where it's harder to do that? Well, it depends. I mean, obviously, this is a major, so you're focused really, you know, a lot on this golf course. But if we had an event down the road, a regular tour event, I would, I would probably try to sneak out here and get around in. More on Sports with Friends in just a moment. First, a message from our friends at Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Sports are back. NBA playoffs continuing. The NHL playoffs underway. Baseball. He's in full swing, actually. There's also UFC, boxing, NASCAR, soccer. Bet Online has the best odds and lines for the upcoming games and matches. Need more? Bet Online has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening every day live for you to check out. Looking for something else other than sports? Well, Bet Online has hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. 
Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Podcast One, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code Podcast One for your sign up bonus. Visit betonline.ag or use your mobile device and join now to receive your new welcome bonus and start playing today. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. I mean, how cool is Dustin Johnson, and uh, easily the hottest player in golf right now? Uh, no question about it. But we're not playing around here. We're giving you the heavy hitters. And John Rahm, uh, he's been number one. He's playing as well as anybody else. And uh, he is going to be one of the top people in this field. And John Rahm met the media, and we had access. <laughs> Well, I haven't played it yet. I'm playing this afternoon, uh, but I did come and play that Monday of the week of Eastlake, since we're starting on Friday, uh, and it was playing very different to what it is now. It was kind of raining, soft, and slow, so it pretty much played like the longest golf course I've ever played. It's hitting extremely long clubs into a lot of holes. I remember hitting five, eight, on 16, 17, and a couple other holes, four iron to the green. Uh, so I know it's playing different from what I heard is um, fairways are firmer, they're rolling out. So might be somewhat similar setup to the BMW, which is good for me. <laughs> and uh, just excited. You know, it's one of those golf courses that's just good. Um, it's right in front of you. There's not real trick to it off a tee. You see what you have, really difficult grains, and that's when the, the difficulty comes in, right? The length and the rough plus those, those tricky grains. So... Uh, there's no no surprise after coming here that some of the winning scores in the past have been so high. We're going to go right here behind me. Uh, John, what do you think you're going to do differently for a September U.S. Open? Have you packed differently? Have you brought enough warm clothes? How do you, how do you see this being different from a June U.S. Open? Well, we have better weather right now here than we had last year in June in Pebble. So <laughs> pretty similar, just having sweaters on, and, and that's about it. This, or the PGA in San Francisco, matter of fact. I mean, we, it was colder than it is right now. I know on the weekend it's supposed to cool here a little bit, so uh, that's it. But it seems like the golf course setup is, you know, where they want it to be. I think one of the scares, at least for me, this time of year here was uh, maybe being a little too cold and rainy and having a bit of a softer U.S. Open. But uh, seems like it's going to be right up the U.S. Open alley. John, uh, can you tell me what has it been like for you to sort of go back and forth with Dustin and Justin Thomas for the world number one ranking? You know, how exciting has that been for you? It's been, it's been I think it's been a really cool year for golf because starting with Brooks, you have a, you've had Brooks, Rory, me, JT, and Dustin as number ones in the world. Five changes. Right. Uh, and since I took over a memorial, I mean, it's been me, Rory, JT, and, and Dustin Johnson changing back and forth, right? So I think we're at a point where any given week, if any of us plays good and wins, it's going to get to that number one spot. So uh, it's a good age for golf, I would say, and it's really cool to be a part of this. I think we're all training hard and, and trying to get ready for to be the one to separate themselves a little bit. Uh, we know it's going to be hard, but it's extra motivation to be playing more and better golf. We're going to go to the WebEx chat um, from Dan Moriarty. You've won on two of the toughest setups since the return to golf, mm -hmm. the Memorial and then Olympia Fields. How does that give you confidence in your mental game when dealing with the adversity here at the U.S. Open? Well, it's going to give me confidence knowing that I can get it done. Uh, I think it's, it's going to be a little bit different just because this golf course plays a little bit longer. Uh, 
but still you just need to play solid, solid shots. And at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of people playing really good golf. It just becomes to mental strength, right? Who can endure the most and who can endure till the end. It's that simple. So having it done in two tough tests uh, like Memorial and the BMW, I'm excited to start just because I know I can do it. Um, hopefully I don't need to do a comeback like I did in Chicago. Uh, but if need be, I know I can do it. All the way on the left. I'm wondering if, if uh, before your previous trip around Wingfoot, if you had played here before, and um, if you had ever gotten, I know there's no tour stops, you know, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, an occasional playoff stop in the in the area. Have you gotten a chance to sample some of the other courses that are around here? So a couple of weeks ago was the first time I ever played. Uh, I've seen a ton of videos online uh, of, of the golf course. Um, but no, not really. I don't know what other golf courses in the area. The only times I've come here have been for the playoffs. So the only thing I've played is Glen Oaks, Richwood, and Live International here in New York. Uh, I don't know if any of them are close. I don't think so. And then Shinnecock and Bethpage. So it's not really. Uh, never came here in college. Never really had a chance to come here even before that. So I'm, I'm excited to play this one. Uh, and if there's other good ones worth playing, uh, hopefully at some point in time I can come and play them. And is it fun to kind of discover, I mean, this is a historical course, but for your generation, it's kind of a, a new thing. So is it, is it cool to kind of discover a new thing? <laughs> a new thing? Oh, because it hasn't been any events since 06. Is that right. why? We're excited to come. I mean, it happens a lot, right? It kind of happened in Oakmont when I played. It was, you know, first event since 07. I know it's a little smaller gap, but still, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, this is history of the U.S. Open, history of golf in general. So I love coming to events like this one and you know, hopefully becoming a champion in a traditional, difficult, and historically tough U.S. Open. It would be, uh, I mean, you can call it the last two U.S. Opens pretty much Massacre at Winford 1 and 2, and hopefully this one's number three. Right here to Bill. John, have you seen greens like like these before, and if, and if not, uh, what makes them different? I have. Um, the best way I could describe this golf course, it was, especially the greens, was somewhat like Oakmont greens, but they were fair. Right. I mean, some of those greens at Oakmont are just craziness, right? I mean, the, the first two greens especially, it's just, you know, sometimes you can hit a great shot and end up putting it off the green. Uh, it can happen here too, but if you hit the proper shot, you will have some looks at birdie. Uh, you just hit to really need to hit really good shots and, and really be under control. Uh, besides that, I don't think I've ever seen greens like this, honestly. These are the two courses I can, I can find that are similar to each other. I mean, Colin was in here earlier, and he said that you could be pinned high and and have and not really have a shot at making that putt. Uh, it happens in a lot of major championships. Yeah, you just you just got to figure it out. That's that's U.S. Open golf. Usually, that's major championship golf. Um, it happens often. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the one thing I can tell you: do not want to be long for the most part. If you're over any of those greens, you're gonna be struggling for par. So, if anything, be short. And whatever the pin is, sometimes be, uh, you know, you might need to be more conservative at times. It's just, it's tough maybe sometimes to be as precise when you're hitting five irons into certain holes, right? So we'll see. Uh, again, I like the history of the game. This is a reason why Billy Casper laid up on the third hole every single day, right? So it's, uh, you know, that tells you. Right here behind me. Uh, John, there's a lot of discussion about how you really have to hit the fairways out here. Um, but it's also a pretty long course and you can't really dial back that much uh, based on just the one scouting trip mm -hmm. that you took here what is the plan off the tee do you have 
a three-wood that you hit almost as far as your driver, like a Henrik Stenson, or what, no. what is your plan? <laughs> I don't. No, luckily, uh, luckily, I'm usually a pretty good driver of the golf ball, so it should fit. Um, I just I spoke to Dustin briefly yesterday afternoon, and he was telling me how fairways were running out. So he was telling me in some of the shots he was hitting, the difference between a ball landing on the rough and one that was going on the fairway was up to 30, 40 yards. So clearly hitting the fairway is going to be an advantage. Now, what you choose to hit it with is up to you, whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, there are some holes out there that might fit, you know, more right to left shape than left to right, which is what I like to play. I like to play a fade. So if I need to hit a three wood and maybe take a longer club in from the fairway, I'll take it. Um, but again, I can say this now and then Olympic fields in the weekend, I hit driver pretty much on every hole. So uh, it all depends how I'm swinging, if I'm feeling confident or not and which hole we're playing, right? It all depends. There's some holes where like the eighth hole or 16 um, or five where, you know, when you have 500 yard par fours, you just, you got to hit driver. It's as simple as that. Yeah. All right, thanks. Go ahead, Rex. John, how would you compare the degree of difficulty at this golf course versus Olympia Field or Mirafield Village, which were statistically the two hardest golf courses until we got here this week? Is it right there, one, two, three in your mind this season? Well, I would say Olympia was harder than Muirfield, uh, and scores reflected, right? Uh, mm -hmm. I would say Muirfield was made tricky because how firm the greens were and, and how gusty the wind got. Um, those fairways are a lot wider than we played last week, uh, or a couple weeks ago, sorry, and even those BMW fairways are going to be wider than what we're playing this week. So um, I would say Muirfield wasn't as demanding of the tee, and I barely hit any drivers. I mean, I was hitting five woods and three woods, and irons of the tee more than anything, still having short irons in, right? I think because of the firmness and the wind, he was playing extremely short, extremely, extremely short. So um, I would say Olympia was playing more difficult than Muirfield. So if anything, I would say this week we probably played more difficult on Olympia Field. So that would be my one, two, and three. Again, I still haven't played the course in US Open setup. So um, I'll see. But based on what I've heard, this might be a little, you know, this should be the hardest one. And kind of an unrelated question. Could, would you mind if I asked you who you voted for for player of the year and why? No, I don't mind asking, but I won't give you an answer. <laughs> um, a request for you to answer in Spanish, just a bit about your first impressions of Wingfoot and your approach this week. <laughs> Para los que no entendáis, no he jugado al campo, así que no sé qué decir. Es así de simple. Eh, vine hace una semana y media antes de Atlanta, jugué al campo, lo vi, campazo, muy bonito, muy difícil pero las condiciones son diferentes eh, a lo que estaban en ese día, ¿no? Está mucho más duro y mucho más rápido, así que eh, no sé cómo voy a jugarlo. Voy a jugar hoy nueve, mañana nueve, y, y, y ya veré qué hacer. John, I have, I have two questions. Uh, first of all, how, how do you regard your readiness to win a major championship like a U.S. Open? And to do that, how much do you have? You're used to making a lot of birdies, driving it as far as you can. How do you have to adjust this week? That's a specific question right there. Uh, well, I would say in the past, maybe, you know, this type of golf wasn't my bread and butter. But, again, based on the two events I've won this year, i got to say I'm pretty much ready. Uh, I've been able to dial it back when I needed to, and I've been able to play properly when I needed to. So... Uh, I think uh, I've always thought U.S. Open is a type of golf course I can win in. I know my game can win in any golf course, but when you're playing good, 
again, it, it becomes a mental challenge, right? So um, I welcome those. Plus, I'm not going to like to say there's some, always some, something extra and special to be possibly the first Spanish player to win a U.S. Open. That would be amazing. So, you know, it's a bit of an extra motivation there to play good this week uh, and do what I have to do. It's, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. you just Besides having a strategy, it's... Uh, it's playing good golf, right? It's sort of like in boxing, like what Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. It's the same thing here. <laughs> we all have a plan, but if you hit it sideways, you got to figure it out. And finally, you mentioned Billy Casper. It's, it sounds like you really pay attention to history. I mean, that goes a long way back. When did you find out about him here? Actually, Tiger told me. Uh, we were talking about Winfrey somewhere earlier on the year, before before the stop, and... He said, the one thing I'll tell you about Winfoot, Billy Casper won the U.S. Open laying up in the third hole every day. And I'm like, okay, well, I heard similar stories about Ben Hogan uh, laying, hitting his short on purpose in the sixth hole at Oakmont. Same stories about uh, Ben Hogan saying that if he ever hit the green on 11 at Augusta, he had pulled it. So uh, it's, you know, it's just sometimes you pick your strategy, and if you pull it off, you pull it off. It's as simple as that. Uh, but once Tiger told me that, it made me aware that obviously this is a very difficult golf course. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to play it. Last question here to Bill. Would you be surprised if the winner on Sunday is under par? Yes. Shocked? How, how surprised? Well, again, when I played it, I was hitting five and four irons into the greens. So I would have been extremely surprised. But uh, when Dustin was telling me some of the clubs he was hitting into some holes, I was kind of surprised. But I can't, I don't know can't speculate on what shots and all that. I mean, knowing with the winning score last year being 14 under uh, or 13, 14 under, I know they're going to make uh, some extra effort to be over par. And knowing this golf course and the history, you know, they have a reputation to maintain. So Haley would win with six, seven over, uh, seven, five over was Ogilvy. You know, I mean, I... Uh, not that I expected to. Hopefully, I'm the one to shoot on the par. <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know along those lines. We'll get back to sports with friends in just a moment. But first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like sports with friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies. And when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports, but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movies. And don't worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hope you're enjoying our U.S. Open preview. And like I said, hope you enjoyed this big weekend over at Wingfoot. Wingfoot, of course, in Westchester. And it was a place that we were going to go to. This is a great tournament and uh, the weather is going to be perfect. Not a drop of rain. And it's going to be in the 60s and 70s. Now, if you're listening to this podcast in the future, yeah, you can tell me how the flying car is. Uh, because And tell us how we get out of this COVID nonsense. I would love to hear it. Our next golfer, Justin Thomas. And he was recently named a player of the year by the PGA of America. 
Uh, also, it's his sixth U.S. Open, and he was asked about this course at Wingfoot. It's incredible. I, I absolutely love it. It's um, it's probably one of my favorites I've ever played. To be honest, it's it's just it's 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 hard. Uh, so it's it's a different kind of fun, but it is fun, and um, it's all right in front of you. It's not nothing tricky, nothing crazy. Um, yeah, it's just you, you need to play well and have control of your golf ball. Otherwise, you're going to get pretty exposed. Uh, question here from WebEx. Will you attempt to drive the green on number six this week? Uh, it depends on the wind. I mean, it, the, yesterday when I played it, there was no chance of getting there. It was a pretty pretty stiff north wind like it was today. So uh, I had a four iron and a, and a pitching wedge. So I think the closest I could get was 20 yards yesterday. So, I mean, I, I, won't, be, I won't be going unless I, I feel like I can confidently – Easily hit it on the green, so it just depends on the wind. Right here. Might be the only person in the world who's called this place fun. Um, <laughs> curious why you use that word. Like I said, it's a different kind of fun. It's it's not a. Uh, it's it's um, trying to think of where we played recently. It's not a. It's not a twenty twenty five under kind of fun. It's a. Uh, it's U.S. Open. I mean, it, it's tough. You know, it's going to be tough, and you know, par is a really really good score, but. Um, maybe it's just because it's Tuesday I'm saying that. I might not think the same at the end of the week, but it is. It's going to be such a grind. It's going to be really, really difficult. But, um, you know, it, it's to me, it's fun to see, you know, some of those tough pars you can make, you know, some of those really good four, five, six irons you can hit in the middle of the greens and, and really just uh, who can manage everything the best. I was going to say, what's the, what's the line between being really, really difficult and being unfair? Like, when does it, when does it cross over? It's all golf course setup. I mean, there's uh, – there, we've never played a course that's gotten away from us because it's it's too hard of a course tee to green. It's because it's been poorly set up. That's uh, that's just the fact of the matter. I mean, this place is it's right now. You go play, you put the pins where they should be. It's the greens are very soft. The fairways aren't that firm. Um, you know, it's beautiful weather. Like yeah, there's going to be a lot of high scores, but there'll be some good scores. There'll be some under par scores, but. If they got firm, they got fast, it got windy, they put pins where they shouldn't be, then, yeah, it'd be stupid. So it's, uh, it really just all depends on how the golf course is set up. Question. Oh. Oops, sorry. Yeah, from uh, Demeglio here on the WebEx. Uh, thoughts on Jimmy being back on the bag? Yeah, it's great to have him back. It's, um, it seems like it was so long ago, and it seems like it was so short time ago that uh, he was, he was caddying last. So uh, he's been ready to go for a little bit, but I just think getting a couple extra weeks rest and, and you know, to get ready to go for this week uh, was was good for him. And another one here: Who wins? Someone who hits the most fairways, or someone who makes the most eight-foot putts? Mm, that is a good question. Um, hopefully, I do either one of those, and I'll let you know. But uh, I mean, I'm going to go most fairways because eight eight feet is a pretty specific number. So uh, I'm going to go most fairways. Back to Ryan. Uh, what was the benefit of, of playing here a couple weeks ago? Do you think? I mean, how how different has it has it gotten? It was just big for me because I, I came here at least seeing it. Uh, I felt like going to Harding Park. I, I'd never seen the golf course. I, I didn't know it very well. It's not like I'd – no offense, but it wasn't like Augusta where I watch it every year, you know, the tournaments that had been there and knew it before I even got there. So I, to be honest, was pretty tired come come Wednesday. Um, obviously, the week before winning didn't, didn't help that. But just trying to get to know a golf course for the first time when it's a major is difficult. And I felt like if I had the opportunity to get here, I needed to do so after – how I felt in San Fran and uh, I'm very glad I did just little things you know like I, I was very very lucky the two days that I played I had two different wins so some of the holes that are maybe blind I know that you know when it's downwind 14's a three wood when it's in the wind it's a driver it's just little things like that to where when I'm coming out here I'm not 
stepping on ivory tee like all right what are we doing here it's more let's just play the golf course let's hit a bunch of chips and putts and just get you know get more comfortable as opposed to learning it another one here the u.s open has a reputation of being a demanding test how do you embrace that type of challenge yeah you just you have to embrace it otherwise it's gonna um it's gonna eat you alive i mean it you're gonna especially a place like this you're gonna make a lot of bogeys um you're gonna you're gonna be put in some um uncomfortable places and and you're as a person are gonna feel uncomfortable and it's really just how can you manage that and you know I, i'm not going into this week scared of this of wing foot um it's it is probably the hardest golf course I've ever played, I think. I mean, Oakmont is, is very tough, but I think that can get – it's just more the speed of the greens, of anything. But tee to green, the rough, the greens, everything factored in. I think this is the hardest course I've played. Uh, but that being said, I, I'm not going into it scared. I can't play tentative. I can't, you know, only try to make pars. If I have a scoring club, I need to try to make a birdie. Um, but then if I get in trouble, I just need to get out. So I think the, the most important thing is to just take each hole for what it is and not, you know, make this place any bigger than it is because it's already big. Um, what's the toughest lie you've dealt with this week already, and how was it? Toughest lie? Mm -hmm. I assume meaning the rough. I mean, I, I don't really know how to describe awful, but uh, awful is how I would describe it, and it didn't go very far. <laughs> you've played a lot with Tiger uh, mm -hmm. since 2018, but even, like, disproportionately so in the majors. Um, is it easier, better, or worse to be playing with him in a major when there's not fans? When there's not fans, it's definitely easier uh, because they're definitely not out there to watch me. <laughs> it's, um, they're out there to watch one person, and deservingly so. If I was a spectator, I'd want to watch him rather than me anyway. But uh, it's, it's easier just because you don't have all the commotion. I mean, it, it's little things like when he finishes out first, if he makes a putt or chips it close or, or I – you know, maybe have a, to finish and he finishes first, you know, everyone's gone. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. And, yeah, you would hope that we or I am focused enough and have a good enough concentration to block that out. But it wears on you eventually. Uh, it's just a lot of backing off and kind of waiting for everyone to settle down and, and realize there's a little bit more people on the golf course. But um, it's it's just different. I mean, I know that's the fewest amount of people he's played in front of probably since he was about four so it's uh it's probably weirder for him than it is for me <laughs> but why do you think your scoring average is is so good with him i mean you look at the players that he's played against over the past decade you're you're right up there with with anybody in terms of how well you played i i mean i'm comfortable around him i mean he's uh he's a really good friend of mine and i i mean i think he feels the same way where he's comfortable playing with me i uh i, I just was very very lucky to get the nerve side out of it with him, uh, I spent, I mean, I grew up idolizing the guy and I still still look at him as a role model and a lot of things that he does, especially with his golf game. And um, I think I, I spent enough time around him early before we started competing against each other to where I kind of got that, the the idol out of me, if that makes sense, uh, to where when, I, when we go out and play, it's just, it's business. It's not like I, I need to hit this shot good to impress Tiger Woods. It's, I want to beat Tiger Woods. When do the nerves go away? I don't know. Um, I, I don't specifically remember a certain time, but it's just it, it comes with, with anything. It's the same thing. The first couple of times you're in contention at a tournament, not that you're not nervous anymore, but you just, you're just you more comfortable. Uh, it, it's good nerves. It's, it's butterflies as opposed to uh, shaking. 
Um, after playing the PGA Championship, did it still feel like a major without the fans, and no. have you gotten used to it? It didn't feel any anything remotely close to a major. It's uh, it's it is a shame because Harding and here two just terrific major championship venues, and um, especially here in New York with with the very passionate fans that they have here, uh, to not be able to experience that takes away a lot of a championship, let alone a U.S. Open, and um, especially come down the last nine and on Sunday, it's it's going to, I think, have a have a big impact. But um, we do, at least I know I miss them and, and hopefully or wish they could have been out here. But, yeah, it's it's night and day different. TV probably doesn't do the slopes justice here on in terms of the greens. Um, but people at home, how would you describe putting some of these? Um, in the, the last – whatever the four times I've played I've never experienced so many times where you could use a backstop on a putt which is a, it's an odd thing to say and probably picture hearing me say it but I just have hit a lot of lag putts the last few days and um, more often than not I'm able to like use a slope past the hole to get to where a pin is going to be which is very bizarre but it's uh it is it's it is hard to tell on tv but uh yeah, the viewers at home are going to see some pretty bizarre stuff and, and probably a lot of putts and chips that make us look pretty bad. And it's uh, if you're into that stuff, then you're going to like this week. You know, one of the topics we've talked about for a long time is the impact of Tiger Woods on golf. Uh, make no slight of it. I think golf uh, needs Tiger Woods. Um, these other golfers are fantastic, but from a rating standpoint, we know how important the uh, impact of Tiger Woods, just the presence of Tiger Woods, is, especially in the first couple of days, because he doesn't always make the cut. Um, it's different, but Tiger Woods is that guy. And we're going to hear from Tiger Woods uh, again here on this podcast. But first, somebody who's going to be playing with him, Colin Marikawa, uh, who is one of the bright young stars. He's only 23 years old, and uh, he has taken the golf world by storm. And he knows it's Tiger Woods and everybody else. Here's Colin Marikawa. Wow, what a course. I mean, you got to golf your ball out here. You got to really know how to control your shots and um, keep it in the fairway, obviously. But, you know, a lot of people had said a lot of things before this week, and I obviously saw it and, and saw what the rough was going to be like. But I, I couldn't have a mindset of, of saying, okay, you know, it's going to be tough and, and try and make, you know, pars. Pars are obviously going to be really good this week. But I, I think if I, if I led myself into already being a hard golf course, I would have had myself one step behind everyone else. Um, so I'm kind of having an open mind to just showing up this week. It's, it is tough. You know, <laughs> the first few holes, uh, definitely opened my eyes, but you know, it's playable. It's, it's not like it's not playable. Obviously you just, you got to hit really good shots and, uh, it's going to test every part of your game this week, but overall Wingfoot's amazing. You know, the, the golf round here, I, I haven't played much, but, uh, it's good to be here this week. <clears throat> first major, since you became a major champion, do you feel any different or do you approach it any different? I don't approach it any different. I think I do some really good prep, and, you know, I'm sure that'll kind of adjust as, as time goes on. You know, this is my third major, so figuring out how to, you know, guys guys know how to prep for majors, especially the ones that have won and, and know the, the secret to doing that. Um, but I, I think I do a really good job Monday through Wednesday of figuring out a course, figuring out what I need to do, so I'm doing the same thing. Um, but, you know, I think walking here as a major championship or major champion – you have a sense of, of knowing how to get things done. And, you know, yes, I've only done it once, but it's, you know, I've, I've done it. And you just want more. You know, you get that little taste of what it's like, and, and you know why guys mark in the calendars the, the major championships for the year. 
Um, so it's not like I'm showing up not knowing what a major championship feels like. You still have that feeling here even without the fans. Um, you can tell how guys are prepping, how guys are getting ready. But for me, it's just, okay, you know, let's come out here. I see all these guys every week, and uh, let's have some fun playing golf. And it, I'm sure there's no similarities between the two golf courses, <clears throat> but from no. off, off the tee, is there anything to be said for the fact that you have to be able to play from the short grass if you're going to do anything? Yeah, I love that. I mean, you know, we, we saw all of us tested a couple weeks ago at, at uh, Olympia Fields, and you can see what scores does like that. And I love playing courses like that because, you know, yes, guys can make birdies, but you also have to know how to make pars, and you have to be able to know when to take, you know, a bogey if you have to or when you hit it in the in the rough um, and really take your medicine and you know as a, as a young player we we necessarily might not have that mindset as some guys but I, I think if you look back you know the four years I spent in college college coaches <laughs> love telling you hit to the middle of the green and this week might not necessarily be hit to the middle of the green but it's hit to your spots you look at hole one you know and, and I only played it once yesterday but you can be pin high and not have a putt at the at the hole. You know, that's just how tough this course is. You have to know where to hit it. Um, and just getting to know the course is going to be really beneficial for everyone. Just a reminder <clears> to <throat> those joining us via WebEx, just please submit your questions via the chat. I see a few hands raised. Um, we'll come back to you. Colin, when, when there was a tour stop in Westchester, <laughs> guys would come over, play here, go play Quaker Ridge. Your generation really hasn't had a chance to do that. So how new is the Wingfoot experience for you guys? Have, have many guys played here? Did you have guys that you could go to and, and ask about the place? Um, my caddy played in the USAM here in 2004, so he's bringing a lot of knowledge. Um, I think he was here in 06. But, yeah, I mean, I, that's just part of what I've been doing, you know, is playing only a year and a half in, is figuring out these courses Monday through Wednesday, and that's kind of all you get. Um, it's nice to go to courses that I've played before, but – you know, it's it's nothing new. So, you know, I come out here yesterday and start figuring out what I need to do. You know, what is going to be the important factors this, this week? Obviously, off the tee is going to be big, but it, you can't let up on any part of your game out here. You know, it's you're going to see every shot. You're going to see some really good shots and really bad shots from, you know, every part of this golf course. It's just the way it's set up. So it'll be fun. Um, yeah. And, and when you're not on tour, when you get a week down or whatever, I mean, do you ever go visit some of the historical places or is that ever part of your routine? I mean, I know it's new. Uh, not really. <laughs> I'll go eat. Um, no, I, I, I'd rather relax and get away from the golf course as much as I can. Like, I know, you know, I've, you've, you've talked to other people, I'm sure, and, and asked them what courses they want to play. To be honest, I, I really don't have many because – you know, I just, I just don't want to keep playing golf on those off weeks. Our, our off weeks or our off season, you look at our off season this year, right? Tuesday through Sunday. It's not a lot of time. Um, this, it's not like any other sport. And I've talked to other guys about it. It's just just the way we go, you know. But it's, it's really cool that we get to travel to so many cities, give back, and uh, help out as much as we can. We're going to go to Jason Bruno over the WebEx. How does the course suit your eye and shot shape, and how many drivers will you hit in each round? Um, I've only seen the front nine, so I hit a lot of drivers yesterday. Um, it fits my eye pretty good. I think, you know, there's a couple holes on the front where they're kind of dog-like lefts, and the fairway was sloping to the right. And I, th I think 12 or 12 might be the par five. I think that's really similar to that. So those those tee shots, I really just got to hit, you know, the most neutral ball flight I can. Um, but I've kind of tweaked my driver here and there and, and just – 
on every other fairway, especially with the, fair, the, the narrow fairways, I've been able just to aim down the left side and have it peel back to the middle. And uh, that's all I could ask for. That pretty much makes my fairway as wide as it can be, um, knowing that my ball's going to fall right. So it's going to be a lot of drivers. It's cold this morning. Uh, so if we get some cold mornings uh, throughout the tournament, course is going to play very long. It's going to play a little tougher, especially this first stretch of golf. Ryan. <clears throat> What's the... Where's the line between extremely difficult and unfair? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know because I, I, I would love to see it as tough as it can get. Um, I, I think when it starts getting unfair is when, you know, it's more on our approach shots and more on the we can't stop a ball in this certain part of the green. You know, I realize it was it's Tuesday now and the greens are going to get firmer. They're going to dry them out. They're going to roll them, cut them. Um, but, you know, off the tee, if you look at it, it's just penalizing bad tee shots. And it's not something we see all the time because sometimes we can just hit it as hard as we want and get away with it. You know, it's, it's just how go different golf courses work. But this is a golf course this week where, you know, you got to hit in the fairway. And if you're not in the fairway, you, you got to play smart. Um, the, the good thing about this course is that a lot of the front of the parts of the greens are, are shaved and, and you can almost run them up if you have – if you get a decent lie, I guess, um, that's not going to be the case all week. But, you know, you have some flexibility in, in some uh, shots if you if you miss it off the tee. What's the hardest course you played? Um, this one, probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, go ahead. oh, thanks. Really. Um, number of guys, young guys, actually, whether it's Rom or Xander or, or maybe even Bryson, who, who the next step is the major. Is this the week they win the major? Is there any part of you that is, is considered what it's like to not have to get that question for the rest of your career, having knocked it out <laughs> at age 23? Yeah, it's nice, I guess. You know, I, I won't get that question asked, but now it's going to be, you know, what's next and, and what are you going to win next? Um, but that's the thing. Like, you know, I'm not waking up every day realizing, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a major champion. I'm, I'm realizing, oh, man, we're at the U.S. Open. Let's go win another tournament. Um, so for me, it's always what's next, you know, like what can I put my head forward? What is going to be the next test of golf? And obviously it's this week, you know, I, I've got to focus on every week. I can't get ahead of myself. Can't start thinking about, you know, this long season that we have, what tournaments I'm going to play. It's just, let's get focused for this week. And, uh, to be honest, the game swing feels really good and, uh, it, it should be really fun Thursday through Sunday. Thanks. Bill. Um, especially after the uh, PGA championship, you talked to a lot of the older players, veteran players about you they say that you have a lot of courage they lose a lot of terms I can't say right here uh, but let's say chutzpah let's say uh, do you, uh, I'm talking about in terms of your golf you seem poised in all these moments but where does that come from you think I don't know I, you know, my parents raised me really well and, and they've been a huge impact on my life but I, I think that's just who I am you know, I've always had kind of a mature head on my, on my back, and um, that's just the way I think. You know, I kind of think through things a lot. But some people in <clears throat> pressure moments shrink, especially the first time that they might be in them. Uh, I mean, you missed, you know, you had a little trouble on a green early in the, in, uh, in the, the year, but it doesn't seem to be affecting you. You seem to be able to handle those moments. Well, you, you, I think you learn from moments like that. You know, you learn from tough breaks, you learn from losses, and you learn from, like, I, you know, the two missed cuts I've had, I've learned 
seriously, some of the, the most things I could have learned from just two days of golf. Like, that's where I've learned the most. Um, so I think that's where, you know, I've done a really good job is reflecting back. And I need to do a better job at reflecting back on the good weeks as well. You know, it's not just, okay, you know, we're good and we're going to go win every week. That's, that's not how golf works. You know, you, you know, you wake up every day and you don't know how your body's going to feel. You don't know how you're going to hit it. Um, but it's about being as consistent as possible. So, um, yeah, I, th I think I've learned a lot and I, I go back and I do reflect on what I need to get better, what I've been doing well. Um, so I, I think that's why, you know, yes, I've had a tough break, but it's, it's okay. You know, like what is next? You know, how do we get improved? How do we not do that in the next situation? Is there such a thing as a, a clutch player, though? People that just are able to do that and people that aren't? Um, yeah, there's Tiger Woods and there's the rest of us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you look at guys like there, there are definitely guys that are clutch in moments. And, and every PGA Tour player wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be on the PGA Tour. They wouldn't be at the U.S. Open if they weren't clutch. It's just who is going to step up to the next moment. You know, we're on a different stage now. It's not just another amateur event or another college event or, you know, whatever it is, this is, this is the big time. This is the major. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to step up and you can't be scared of, of taking another step um, because that puts you in another, you know, level of golf. We're going to go to <clears> back <throat> to WebEx. Mark here has being a major champion um, in such a, and having the success in such a short period of time, put pressure on your time demands for interviews and things off the course. And how do you manage that time? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely been busier, um, especially that week after. I couldn't tell you how much sleep I got. Um, but for me, it was actually it was a lot of fun. And it's weird to say that. <laughs> now, I'm not I'm not going to take like every interview you guys ask. But, you know, for me, it was it was not just golf interviews. There were interviews on like all networks on like different topics. Um, so it was cool to talk to those people because it wasn't just golf related and, and it's not like they knew golf that well. So I could have said, you know, a lot of things and it would have passed on their end. Um, but yeah, I, I think if we talk about managing time, you know, that being efficient is, I think what I do, um, going through college, finishing it in four years, getting my degree, my business degree, I had to be efficient. You know, I couldn't just show up and, and get things done and, and you know, have time pass by and realize, okay, you know, I'm, I'm in my fourth year. I had to know what was going to be done and when. Um, and I think that that's just kind of who I am. So I've brought that here. I bring that to how I practice. You know, if you look at me, I'm not pounding balls on the range until sunset. Um, I, I just get things done when I need to. So adding in media, a little more media. Um, yeah, you know, maybe I've got to get here an hour earlier. But other than that, it hasn't been too overwhelming, I'd say. Last question before we let you go. Phil Casey's asking, what's the worst lie you've found so far at Wingfoot? Um, well, I only hit one ball in the rough yesterday, but that was only nine holes, and we've got par threes, so let's not make a big deal out of that. Um, so nine. But I, I did see some. I threw some balls in just walking down the fairways, and, you know, there's lies that, you know, you're just going to have to wedge it out. And that's why I say you, you got to take your medicine. You know, that's just you're going to hear that all week. It's guys that are going to play well are going to take their medicine and, and scramble really well. That's just the way this course is going to play out. And one quick from Doug. I don't know what made me think of this, but there's been stories over the years of, of what guys put in a claret jug or where they take the green jacket with them. The Wanamaker weighs like 35 pounds. What are you supposed to do with that? <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do with it. There's, there's a lot of things. Do you take it anywhere? No, I haven't taken it anywhere, but things you can do. It's pretty big. 
Colin Marikawa here on Sports with Friends. And last but not least, this guy is an iconic golfer. It's his second time technically on the podcast. Um, Tiger Woods has quite a legacy. And, uh, you know, his fall from grace is not what I want to talk about. He's had an arc. And he's back. He's come back from some major, major back problems. And he's back in the fold. And he's a ratings draw, especially for the first two days. There's no secret about that. Here he is, the icon, the legend, Tiger Woods. I was kind of hopeful that I would, I'd be able to play Zozo because I just had knee surgery. And uh, everything was kind of uh, running into form. Uh, it felt pretty good. My knee felt a hell of a lot better. And all of a sudden, I put it well that week, and I uh, uh, was able to go on to win. But uh, you know, this year I really haven't um, put it as well as I as I wanted to. And the times I did uh, make a few swing mistakes, I missed in the, in the wrong spots. You know, consequently, I just didn't have the right looks at it. And um, you know, this cut I've compounded uh, mistakes here and there that. Ended up not making me able to make pars or, or even a, a birdie run, and uh, consequently, you know, I haven't uh, put myself in in contention to win events. We're gonna go here to the WebEx. Um, a number of questions, kind of in the list of courses uh, that maybe have been the most difficult. Where would you rank Wingfoot? <laughs> well, I think it's right up there next to Oakmont and and I think Carnoustie, uh, as far as just uh, sheer difficulty without even doing anything to it. Um, yeah, those I think those three golf courses and uh, they they can host major championships without uh, ever doing anything to them. And uh, you know this one uh, or Oakmont here uh, is either one or two. Right here to Ann. Hi, Tiger. Yeah. Can you talk about your preparation for this golf course based on your previous performances here and the high winning scores here in the past? Yeah, well, I've I was able to come up here, you know, right before I played in, in Boston, uh, take a look at the golf course, and I uh, was able to get my sight lines. Uh, this golf course is going to be uh, one of the more difficult ones. Uh, the, the winning scores here have never traditionally been been very low. Uh, I don't see that uh, changing this week. Uh, the golf course is uh, it's going to be hard. You know, it depends on you know how. How, how difficult they want to uh, set up these pins, uh, you know, give us a, a chance at it. But uh, with the forecast, it's going to be difficult no matter what. Another one from the WebEx. How much did a difficult venue like Olympia Fields in your last start help you prepare for Wingfoot? <laughs> yeah, Olympia Fields was hard. Uh, it was fast, dry, uh, th- which is, you know, un- unlike uh, this golf course right now. Uh, it's going to obviously dry out, but. Uh, the rough is, is very sticky here and very thick and lush. Uh, Olympia Fields, you know, the, the, the rough was high, but, you know, generally the, most of the lines, uh, most of the lies we had in the, in the rough were, were down grain, and guys were able to get the ball up, you know, near the greens, but obviously the greens were difficult. Uh, most of the lies we've had so far this week, um, they're not really down grain, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how, how much uh, the USGA will, will cut the rough down and, and allow us to you know, try and be a little bit more aggressive and get the ball up, up uh, around the greens.
How will the experience be different for you at a U.S. Open without fans? It's going to be, you know, it's something that, unfortunately, this is our new reality. You know, this is something where we're, we're getting used to. It's not something uh, we, we like. Well, we, we want the fans and we want the atmosphere out there. But, uh, you know, s safety is first. Right behind me. Hey, Tiger, yep. what is your health preparation like? each week as you play in a tournament compared to your practice prep? Which takes more, which is harder to get, I guess, uh, feeling good and, and feeling like you're ready for a tournament compared to your health prep and feeling good with your body? Well, the, the health comes first, you know, whether or not uh, I feel you know, physically good enough where I can, I can put, in, put in the practice. Uh, that's it's, it's my, my unfortunate reality. You know, I've had you know, four back surgeries, so. Uh, trying to be healthy enough so that I can practice and I'm able to spend the time that I, that I want, that, that I need to. Which takes more time? What's that? Practice or, or just getting loose? Well, I have, to, I have to train in order to practice, and I have to get my back loose enough where I, I'm able to practice. And that's just that's the way it is. Yeah. We're going to go to Michael. Thank you. Uh, Tiger, uh, Gary Woodland was just in here uh, telling us a funny story about you guys being at Liberty National. And Say again. Sorry. Yeah, yep. uh, Gary Woodland, you yep. and he were at uh, Liberty National, um, and you had to get him straight on how many U.S. Opens you had won. Um, but then you guys concluded that uh, among your four, you don't have one on a private course. Uh, do you yep. distinguish at all U.S. Opens on private courses versus public courses? You know, I think that USG events, um, th this is, I got to put this, this year is, is unique is that we don't have a lot of qualifiers and uh, we don't have the access into the event like we've had in years past. Whether we play on a public course or, or private course is, is irrelevant. Uh, I think that the, the qualification is what, what makes this, this event so unique is that um, we're able to qualify for this event and, and have uh, unique opportunities. Um, unfortunately, this year is not, not, not one of those. Really quick follow-up. Uh, you grew up playing public courses. Mm -hmm. uh, do you regard the old course as a muni? As a what? As a muni, a municipal. The old course? Yeah. I think the, the old course is just unique in the, whatever you want to call it. I think that uh, just that it's where the home of golf is and the fact that uh, you know, everyone has a chance to play it, I think that's what makes it so special. Thank you very much. Coming off the tennis U.S. Open, you know, Serena and Rafa are both in positions to tie some big records coming up, and um, you're one of the few people who qualified to answer this. Does it get harder to win a major the closer you get to the all-time mark, and why? You know, I think it, it gets harder to, to win as um, we all age, and I think that uh, I, when you're in your prime and your, your peak years, uh, you have to take advantage of those opportunities uh, so that uh, when you get to all-time marks, uh, you have the opportunity. And, and I think that uh, whether it's, it's Rafa, it's Fed, or Serena, they, they've, they've been so consistent and so dominant for such a long period of time. That's how you get to, you know, you can have those all-time marks. And consistency over a long period of time is, um, you know, that's the hallmark of, you know, those, those records. I hear Rex. Tucker. Tiger, you've talked in the past yeah. about when you, you practice your putting, you go back a lot of mm -hmm. times to what you and your dad used to work on. Mm -hmm. Is that still the case? Have you mixed up the routine over the years? <laughs> uh, I have 
changed the routine and, and some of the things that I've done um, over the years, but I still go back to what my dad always taught me, which is, you know, obviously put, put to the picture. And uh, whatever, whatever I'm working on that particular time, once I get out there and I putt, um, just putt. All the way on the left. Hey, Tiger, how are you? Uh, I think 06 yep. here was the first tournament you played after your dad passed. Yep. Uh, how difficult was it for you that week and then in the month <clears throat> that followed? Uh, just talk about your mindset and getting ready to win one for him in, at Royal Liverpool. Yeah, when I, when I didn't win the Masters that year, that was really tough to take uh, because that was the last event my dad was ever going to watch me play. Um, he passed not too long after that. And uh, quite frankly, when I got ready for this event um you know i didn't really put in the time i didn't really put in the practice and consequently missed the cut you know pretty easily uh but after that i was able to do some practicing and uh did some uh probably some pr pretty good grieving you know after after this um this championship played well at uh at, at the western and then went on to really play well at uh, at the british and so i think it was just i was not prepared to play, and I'm still dealing with the, the death of my dad. We're going to go back to the WebEx here. Only 15 players in the field played in the 2006 U.S. Open. Do you see that as an advantage? <laughs> well, the golf course has, has changed a lot since then. Um, obviously, the, the greens have they're all been redone, and uh, most of the holes are a lot longer than when, when we played in 06. But, you know, technology's changed, and... Um, the golf ball is going further. Guys are hitting it further. So we're playing from about the same spots. Um, uh, it's just, it's just whatever. It seems like every every green you have to walk back a little bit further. Right here, Tiger. Can you describe what it meant to you after all the surgeries mm -hmm. and the years not winning majors to come back and win the Masters? And was there anything special that you felt that week that? you can relate to this week? I mean, how, how do you rate your chances here? Well, when I, when I, when I won the Masters last year, it, it, it was, you know, I was not, not feeling particularly well, you know, prior to that, you know, my, my neck was bothering me. Um, I didn't play in Bay Hill. And, uh, you know, for some reason I, I felt physically better and the my my training sessions you know felt good. I changed shafts in my driver you know right right before the event, and I was able to start turning the ball over. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I saw uh, put myself in contention, and I was uh, wasn't really I wasn't leading, but I was near the lead. And each day, I progressively got a little bit better. And and come Sunday, you know, I put all the pieces together. And if I could mm -hmm. quick follow up. Several players here have said that of all the people out on tour, you feed off the fans more than anyone. So in that regard, I, I know you mm -hmm. said you miss them, but in that regard, uh, how much do you miss the fans? Well, for me in particular, I, I miss the energy and just the um, just the, the the positiveness that 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 the, that the fans bring and just that that, that electricity. Uh, but that's something that I've been playing in front of for you know over two decades, and so that's something I've I've been a, a part of, and I've been lucky enough to have been a part of that. Uh, what we're dealing with right now is not what we all want, um, but it's our our reality, and 
uh, it's the the energy. This it's just not quite. It's not quite the same without the fans. Right here to Bruce. Tiger, even without the fans, is there something special about coming back to the New York metropolitan area and, and playing? Yeah, I, I think that this area has some of the best golf courses on on, on the planet, and uh, but also what makes you know coming up here is and being a part of these events are, are the fans and the energy that uh, this this entire area brings. And they, they love sports, and uh, it's a shame that, that we're not going to have that atmosphere out here um, this this particular week. But you know, obviously the everyone will be watching and, and be supporting uh, at home or where it's uh, the safest. We're Still meaningful to you that a lot of these fans will be rooting for you even if they're home? Absolutely it is. You know, I, it's, it's not the same without the, the fan experience, uh, but as I said, this is our, our reality for right now. We're going to have one more question, but first a quick one. Are you using your standard Scotty Cameron? Yes, I am. Uh, all the way on the left, last question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a strategy question. With yeah. fairways this hard to hit and rough this penal, it kind of seems like everyone's going to be missing a lot of fairways. Do you anticipate then hitting a lot of drivers so that you aren't too far back, or do you anticipate kind of laying back to try and keep it in the fair? How many drivers do you expect? Yeah, you know, D, that's, uh, I, th I think a lot of that is dependent on which way the, the wind is blowing. You know, the forecast is, you know, three of the four days uh, be blowing out of, the, out of the north. And I think that... Uh, that, that will make a difference. You know, some of the, the tee shots that we hit today, uh, slightly different wind than when we played on Sunday. And so uh, I think that strategy-wise, it, it's ebb and flow. I, for me in particular, I'm trying to play to certain areas. Um, whatever club that is, uh, it could be five wood, it could be driver um, or three wood. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to play to a, a, spe a specific spot and then move on from there. I mean, we, we don't play around here. We get heavy hitters on this show, and this is serious stuff. And, you know, listen, normally when we have a podcast of that ilk where we get highlight names of a big-time sport, we thank people. You know, when we, when we have golfers on, we usually thank Jeff Allstadler. That That's how we do it. But this time, I get to thank him personally because Jeff is here with us now. What's going on, man? Thanks for hey, stopping by. Hey, Seth. How are you doing? Good to talk to you. Do you think anybody is still listening? Like, we had Tiger Freaking Woods on this podcast. Do you think anybody's still listening? Uh, I'll tell you. You know, every time... Give away that... a t-shirt. Like, right now, give a code. Give a t-shirt away. If you're still listening to this podcast, here, get it. win a t-shirt. I'll tell you something about Tiger. I think everybody who works within the golf industry needs to thank Tiger. There is, you know, from, from his, his early success, what drove him through the, the early 2000s, even into today, the golf industry became what it is because of Tiger Woods. Oh, there's no, there's no question. There's yeah. no que and, and what I always used to laugh at is Golf Channel people who would come to these, like, you know, media seminars or business seminars, and they would say, well, we're fully prepared for when he hangs it up. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> You want him because he doesn't have impact Saturdays and Sundays the way he used to, but he impacts your ratings on Thursdays and Fridays all the time. All everyone knows when I get the AP wires where it's three sentences on a tournament, it's first place, second place tiger. Mm. He could be 54th and it's in the sports update. Oh, uh, it's true. Oh. He's, 
He always gets a mention, but I, th I think the, in a lot of ways, the golf industry and the PGA Tour have done a good job of marketing some of the younger players, some of the players in the, you know, the prime of their careers, the Dustin Johnsons, uh, you know, some guys here. And then you see the, these younger guys like John Rahm and Xander Shoffley, players who are coming along sure. right now that really, you know, are, are exciting for the game. Maybe they don't have the Tiger mystique, but they have great personalities and they're going to be the future of the sport. Oh, there's no, there's no question, uh, no question about it. Um, it's funny. This is the second time that, uh, well, Xander Shoffley, I did a one-on-one -on -one with him in episode 209 of this podcast uh, when it was the, what's that thing? The Players Trust? Is that what it's called? Players Trust. What's the Players. thing that just ended? What's the thing that was in Newark or in Jersey City? Oh, um, to call uh, I know what you're talking about. The Northern Trust. The Northern Trust. Yeah, when three, two. At the Northern Trust, I, uh, I did a one-on-one -on -one with uh, Xander Shoffley. He came on this show, and we also had audio from Tiger Woods and Brooks Kepka. And Shoffley was awesome. He was, he was such a good guy and such a neat dude. Uh, we had a lot of fun with him. And seriously, we thank you for all the access. But the access is virtual. You and I are used to covering tournaments. The last time I was at the U.S. Open – that's when I had uh, Cal Clutterbuck on the, uh, on the podcast. And you remember that? <laughs> that, yeah. was, uh, that was a couple of years ago. Um, everything's virtual because of COVID. And there was a chance the U.S. Open wasn't even going to happen. That's yeah. why I wanted to have you on. How close did this thing get to being canceled? Uh, I think it was less about being canceled and more about the possibility of moving the location out west the potential for us to move to December uh, to get it in for this year. Um, and, but having to leave uh, the Westchester area in Wingfoot and we had a deal to move out to, to California to Riviera. And that was a very serious possibility. And we were waiting for the schedule to, to kind of come together, the golf industry to co coalesce, which happened very quickly. We were waiting for everybody's kind of to decide their schedules and the possibility of uh, the British open uh, moving their schedule and the opportunity to kind of jump into the spot in September gave us the real opportunity to move, uh, to keep the championship uh, in, in, at Wingfoot in Westchester, but to move it back two months uh, to, you know, what's going to be this week. It's, it's wild. Unless you're listening to this in the future. And in that case, uh, tell us how the flying car is because we're, we're, we're very curious. And also, um, tell me who wins this thing, because, you know, if you can slip <laughs> that to me, I, I, you know, I live in New Jersey, I could place a legal bet, you know, we, we, we can talk. Um, the pushback from the players, were players, I know a couple of players opted out, but were players concerned? Because I, I guess at this point, this is not the first golf tournament back, so you had a chance to build up, but... That first one was dicey, and people didn't know that it was going to work. Right. Yeah, and, and they had some missteps at the beginning. The players, I think, really needed to embrace the rules. Uh, what a, you know, I wouldn't say it's a bubble, but what the, the PGA Tour testing protocols were going to look like and how they could, you know, how they would be able to manage and take it seriously. And it's, you know, it's not the same going out and, and sharing – you know, sharing airplanes and going to restaurants and things like that. They needed to be controlled. 
and they've done a good job of doing that. You know, the first two weeks they had some issues and they've done a better job. The guys have bought into it for them. It's their livelihood. You know, they better take it seriously. We've had a couple of small incidents this week, players who tested prior to, to coming out to the championship that decided not to make the trip uh, that ended up being withdrawals, but they were smart. They, they knew that, that they couldn't make the trip and they kept themselves out of the situation, which is good for everybody who's involved. I, I respect it. I, I really do. And, you know, we saw in the U.S. Tennis Open, there was a big argument because it was harder to travel. And I think that in, in this circumstance, what you noticed was it was building. And as golf tournaments were happening and being successful, you felt more confident that the U.S. Open was, was going to happen. Was there something, and if you can't talk about this, I can take it out, but if it, was there something about uh, Fox's decision to basically give up their rights to the tournament because of the scheduling, because they have the NFL and they have college football and they pay f- millions of dollars for those rights. And uh, the U S open has a contract where they're on the main Fox, not FS one. And as a result now, I, from what I understand, it's all NBC now and it's all NBC going forward. Yeah. You know, I, I think part of the consideration was uh, Fox's schedule in September. They do have commitments, especially to the NFL. Uh, and it sounded like the, the league was willing to work uh, with Fox and the USGA to have the championship, uh, you know, worked out within the NFL schedule. But Fox and, the, and, and, the, and NBC had a conversation about the possibility of shifting uh, the championship back to NBC for a season uh, and doing this as a one-off. And apparently that led to further conversation uh, about the possibility of, of NBC taking over uh, the remaining years on the contract, which, you know, Fox was great. They really innovated. Um, the talent was incredible. And one thing about, about NBC, you know, we've been there before. It's like being reunited with old friends. And they're great at, at what they do. Golf Channel is amazing for the sport. It's, it's the go-to place. Fox was a little harder to find. It was really the only events that they had every year. Right. And, you know, with Golf Channel, they do this every week and they know how to do it and they do it really, really well. And Fox did a great job with it. And it's, it, but it's nice to be back with people that you've been working with for years. I don't want to keep you forever, but the, the sponsorship stuff, I mean, there's so much visual, there's going to be so much signage. There's, it, I mean, golf does such a remarkable job of that. Um, I love the tents. I, I, I could, I love walking these courses. Um, it's a blast. It's, it's, it's a blast when you don't have to do updates. When you have to do updates, you just have to stare at a screen. That's really boring. And I, didn't, I, I never wanted to do that. But if you get to walk around at these events, especially these major events, it really is special. But without the fan experience, how much of a, of a hit does all that stuff take? Because there's going to be no BMW experience. I'm just throwing sponsors out. I don't even know if they're your sponsors. But there's none, none of those... Um, exhibits going on um, because there's not going to be fans there to consume them. Yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of it is being creative with your partners, figuring out other ways that you can show the brands, uh, you know, the, the kind of attention that they deserve. They made a commitment to us. We need to make a commitment to that, to them. You know, they're, they won't, they won't have the onsite experience this year, but let's figure out how we can do this virtually, how we can do this yep. digitally so that they can be happy and, and 
want to continue the partnership with us. It is. It's going to be a different world. It's going to be a different year. Let's all hope we're back to something that looks different next year. Uh, but for now, we're, you know, we're going to be supporting each other and, and we'll go from there and see what the future looks like for everybody. You didn't, um, you, you and I spoke beforehand and there are some media people that are going to be there. Will they be able to do in-person interviews with yeah, players so, yeah, or is so it all virtual? Yeah, there are 40 media members that were permitted to be here. Um, and the rest is being handled through virtual. Um, the, you know, I, I don't know how familiar you are with kind of the tent system um, in, in uh, golf. So basically uh, a player will go, they'll be on a podium kind of in a tent and media will have an access area from there. So tell uh, us about the tents. Yeah. So there's really only four spots, four to five spots that will be available of the 40 media members who are there. They need to decide who gets to be in those spots and, you know, everybody else will get an opportunity to watch it all virtually. Right. Uh, and they'll have a chance, you know, to, to interact and send in questions. We're being aggressive, trying to service the media the best that we can remotely. Everybody understands where we are you know, we've got a system designed to take questions, uh, you know, in, in kind of a chat function. And, you know, we'll get a real test of it tomorrow when we have some of our marquee players do their pre-championship interviews. But all of our testing, it looks good. The PGA Championship uh, also had something similar to it, and, and it worked for them. So let's, let's hope that it works for us. Um, and what, lastly, who cares about the stinking media? What can the fans uh, do? So you're a fan. You wanted to go. You know, you live in the New York area. You're listening to this podcast, and you're like, I wanted to go to this event. Obviously, I can't. What can I do? Is there an app? Is there a website? Is there something that yeah. they can do besides just watch it on NBC? Yeah, the U.S. Open app uh, on both Google and Google Store and, and uh, Apple uh, iTunes Store is really We're cool. all iPhones here on Sports with Friends. <laughs> is, um, is really cool. There's some great stuff on there. But, you know, Golf Channel um, and, and NBC, and they're really pushing Peacock this year, which is their new streaming service. Oh, yeah. Um, which is going to have some exclusive windows for their broadcast. Yep. Um, like the morning. The, the, it, it starts off with Peacock like early and yep. you'll see the first rounds. Whoever's going early, if you have Peacock, you'll see it live. Yeah. And then there's a five to seven window on Thursday night. Um, oh, wow. to, going into the kind of the prime time um, that is Peacock only. So, you know, obviously it's an opportunity for, for NBC to expand the Peacock brand and, you know, uh, kind of uh, build up the awareness of it. They're going to be very careful. They know that um, people aren't exactly aware of what it is. So in that same time period, Golf Channel is going to be broadcasting uh, some of their content and reminding people that if they want to watch live content, they can, they can head over or download the Peacock app. That's cool. That's great. It's, it's, it's great stuff. Um, the U S open app and uh, you guys do a, a remarkable job and, how you guys have recovered from this and you're at a time now where there's so much sports, there's so many games out there. There's mm -hmm. so much content to consume. It's yeah. truly amazing. Uh, and this should be a fun weekend and we'll be watching from a, from a distance. And I'll be like, I know that guy. You see that guy right there. I know him. <laughs> and people will be like, no, you don't, you know, you don't know. If you know me, I probably have a mask on. You may not be able to recognize me. Oh, that's a good point. That's good. That's good. We see that's how, that's how you stay safe. And that's how you go to this thing. 
Hey, man, um, did you ever think you'd be on this podcast? You know what? For years and years, for we've been years. talking about it. It was, yeah. It's always been a dream of mine, Seth. Glad we had an opportunity to be together. It's always been a dream. Yeah, that's, that's been said by nobody. <laughs> that's <laughs> easily been said by nobody. Anytime, well, you, anytime you want me back, I'll be here for you. Uh-huh. Next pandemic, next time we can't go to a golf tournament live, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll do this again virtually. Sounds uh, good. Thanks to Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikawa, and Tiger Woods, and of course, last but not least, Jeff Allstadler. Uh, this is a great podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for downloading, subscribing, the ratings, the reviews. We really, really appreciate it. This podcast should have happened in June, but it happens in September. That's 2020, folks. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay, I got to be me. You'll never be in doubt, that's what it's all about. You can't take me for granted and smile. Come Taking up my time